Hello and welcome to Setting the Stage, Episode 16, Thessy and Sarad. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I also wanted to remind people that we're always looking for people to interview on the show. So if you have a campaign or you know someone who has a campaign, uh, we'd love to hear more about it. Um, to get on the podcast, go to gocorral.com slash STS. That's gocorral.com slash STS. Gocorral is spelled G-O-C-O-R-R-A-L dot com slash STS. There's a survey there that you can fill out that'll get sent to my email so I know to read more about your campaign and set up scheduling for an interview. Uh, with that said, let's get into what Thessy has to say about his campaign world. All right, uh, I'm here today with Thessy, and he's going to tell us about his campaign for D&D. But first, we're going to uh, learn a little bit about who you are outside of D&D. Can you introduce yourself and give us a little quick who is Thessy and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Thessy, um, you know, my name's uh, Mark, but, you know, I go by Thessy online. Um, yeah, I've been uh, playing video games since I was a little kid. Um, volunteer a lot with our church. Yeah, I am uh, live with my wife. We have a couple cats that we uh, found in our yard. Um, and a dog. Uh sure at some point they'll be uh, winding at the door um yeah play uh mostly rpgs um yeah not, nothing right. too uh, crazy cool. uh, <laughs> uh what got you into D? uh so back in 2018 uh, i was in a wow guild and they mentioned that uh they were going to be starting up a uh, campaign so you know, I've played RPGs since I was, uh, I think, fifth or sixth grade. So it was interesting to me. You know, I never had a chance to actually play. Um, and, yeah, had a lot of fun with it. Um, the campaign went for about, uh, I think, five months. And the final session ended up being us versus another campaign that uh, the DM was uh, running. Uh, we were the bad guys and apparently had been foiling the other team every step of the way. Uh, but it was so cool being able to basically do anything. <laughs> so I got like super excited, started uh, listening to a bunch of podcasts. Um, and yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool introductory campaign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even if we got completely demolished by them, that was... Well, the bad guys are supposed to lose, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, even uh, my I got my first tattoo earlier this year, or I guess mid last year, um, and it is D and D dice, and it's using the logo of uh, Hapless Heroes. So, one of the uh, podcasts I'm a huge fan of. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm looking up their logo now and see what it looks like. So yeah, it's a uh, blue die um, with a uh, one in the middle, green outline. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. got the colors too for the tattoo? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a weird looking green for skin though. <laughs> You'd think, but it actually came out good. All right, yeah, great. Was, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, how'd you get to, to be a DM? Uh, so... The campaign ended. We started up a second one. I think we made two sessions in and scheduling destroyed it. Um, it ended up being just me and the DM and the DM's like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. So um, I wanted to play more and you know, no matter how much I pushed uh, the other DMs, they're like, no, no, I don't really have a time or anything. And finally I decided, you know what, I'll I'll give it a try. So I bugged my wife enough and she finally agreed and got a few of our friends from a uh, church and uh, started first campaign. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I decided to uh, DM since I was the only one with any experience and yeah. Yeah. That's usually how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool to, to have your wife be in it. That's not a very, I wouldn't say it's uncommon, but it's more, rare 
I suppose. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun, um, especially since uh, I do a lot of planning that doesn't always make it through. So I'm at least able to talk at her and tell her stuff that I had planned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff that maybe you know won't really change the world isn't really a way I'd be able to bring that back in. Uh-huh. But you know, she'll be still interested to hear about it because she was there for the campaign. And you don't have any like there's all these like horror stories on Reddit about favoritism for people <laughs> that are in a relationship with one of the players. Uh, I've taken her down a few times. Um, I've yet to uh, completely kill a character yet. Um, yeah, I'm sure eventually that will happen, but uh, I I like to think that I'm okay with spreading the love. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I said, they were all my friends beforehand, so um, yeah, don't want to ruin any relationships there. Yeah, no one's complained so far. Not that I've heard, no. All right, let's start talking about your world. So it's, uh, what's the name? What's it look like uh, physically? Yeah, so uh, the name is uh, Sared, um, which uh, is Estonian for islands. Um, okay. Yeah. The, the main map that they started the campaign with was a series of islands that were basically the size of the U S was how I pictured it in my head. Um, very moderate climate. Um, most of the, uh, most of the commerce takes place along the coast. Um, the, the big, uh, crazy thing is, um, as long as anyone was aware of, there's these giant walls of ocean, uh, that are a bit outside of the uh, reach of the islands uh, that basically block off the rest of the world. Um, they stretch up far enough to where they're, you can't fly over them. Uh, it's powerful enough that you can't go through them. Uh, and it basically stuck everyone in this smaller area. Um, there is uh, the main uh, enemy for this uh, area uh, lives on this floating island um, that uh, I call the Terrace of Clouds. Basically, they rule over everyone on the ground, and because they can move their island, they sort of have a full uh, full control over the land. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the the water you said that like someone can't enter it because it's too powerful like does it just push them back like my understanding is that usually that kind of water pressure can actually suck people in if they touch it yeah it's more like a uh a jet um so sort of pushing up and uh think like if you have a a hose that's set to really high pressure uh just trying to go through it you bounce off the sides okay yeah all right it could, yeah, rip you up and then push you away. Okay. Yeah. Is it a jet going up or down? Uh, it is going up. Okay. So if you did manage to somehow get something into it, it would be blasted miles into the air. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. All right. Um. um so how does the how does the sun work with that? Because it would. So. Get blocked by the water in the in the morning. <laughs> Um, there is sunlight that goes and that can get through it. I sort of hand wave magic. Uh, it's a big enough area that it shouldn't be affected. Like I said, it's the size of or the islands altogether are the size of the U.S. So, you know, there's quite a bit of world that curves. Yeah, yeah. Like so, I'm in. I'm in California, so I've got the yeah. you know, the Sierras, but you know they don't block the sunrise for me in the morning because exactly I'm not right next to them. <laughs> okay, but if you were next to it, then it would. But it's water, not mountains. So yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, when your original description on the the survey, I didn't realize the the scope of it. So yeah, I guess if it's really that big, then yeah, it's not not a problem. Um, what made you? pick this like 
particular world design? Like, it's pretty unusual. I, so, I really liked the idea of having a mobile base, of having basically the adventuring party not being able to sit in one place for too long. And trying to think of ways that I could accomplish that was thinking, oh, let's throw it on a ship. Let's throw it on, you know, somewhere where they'd have to be going around, um, you know, on the, they'd be on the run. And, you know, as far as the, the flying island, um, that inspiration came from uh, an old Squaresoft RPG, uh, Xenogears. Okay. Um, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I liked the idea of you know the bad guys being there, being visible uh, in the air, and sort of that shadow of terror as they uh, you know move over the area. Um, yeah, interested me. So, um, trying to figure out how to get that to work to where you know it couldn't just be oh well you know we'll just. Uh, you know, stay far away. You know, okay, well, let's cage them in. How am I going to cage them in? Okay, we have this wall of water. Um, and, you know, that ended up being a large plot point um, for the end of the first big arc of the campaign. Okay. Um, so it sounds like the, the floating island people are the, the villains, and then yes, your players are being chased by them because they have something the villains want and are trying to get away. So idea. the general idea for this floating Island was they are hunting magic users. Oh, okay. um, they either kill or enslave them and do not want them basically running free. Uh, they have ways of tracking um, magic use uh, which plays back into not wanting to stay in one place for long. Um, and just like in Harry Potter, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've got the, the evil guys up there that are trying to control all magic. Right. Is there a reason they're doing that besides just, you know, we want to have all the power. Yeah. So, yeah, as I mentioned, this, was part of the first arc. Um, they found at the heart of this floating island was a giant beholder. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, any of uh, Sespeku's maps, uh, but he has this really cool beholder map. And I use that as the big bad for this first arc. Um, I think I have seen that been... map that you're talking about. Yeah, it's... Uh, it was really sick, and the first time I saw it, I was like, I need to figure out a way to use this. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice um, one. But, so he's been collecting these magic users. The ones that aren't enslaved, that you know, aren't killed on the surface, uh, have been used as basically batteries to power these walls of water to power uh, this floating island. Okay. Um, centuries ago... Um, there was um, a rise of uh, magic users that started developing uh, portal technology. Yeah. With that, they started creating these void tears um, in the world. And from that came demons. Um, this giant beholder uh, decided that it wanted nothing to do with that. So he created a safe place where these void tears could not be formed. Um, so using the magic users, not only to power, but also controlling them so they don't create more of these um, tears around the world. Oh, tear like a rip. Sorry, yeah, I was thinking sorry. tear like a, a terrifying oh. creature. <laughs> no, sorry. There's a void tear creature in the Hearthstone game that I was thinking of. All oh, right. got it. So rip terror okay yes. got it all right so so he's actually doing something good is that the idea there with like um, keeping those under control he sealed off part of the world so 
the whole world that the players knew for the first arc was these islands. After you know defeating this beholder, um, they basically killed the link that was uh, siphoning all of the magic power from these uh, batteries, uh, letting the water walls fall. Uh, they did find oh. a, a giant continent off to the side. Um, as far as scale, I'd say it's like Europe and Asia smashed together into one giant um, continent off to the side. Okay. Um, Usual Eurasia size thing. Yeah. And there are still tears there. There are still magic users creating using magic, um, using portals and opening these uh, tears. They've gotten a little better at controlling some of the creatures that come from it. Um, and there are, you know, smaller strongholds throughout the area, um, which they're going to be finding more of. Um, but the idea is, even though they were doing a horrible thing, now without this, you know, barrier, more and more tears are going to start appearing across the world. Okay. So when I first heard what like the like controlling all magic users, it sounded a lot like the the tower in Dragon Age where they're like trying to Oh, yeah. The control Chantry. them. Yeah, yeah, cuz the the mages in that are connected yeah. to like demons very strongly and it's very hard to be a mage and not turn into a demon. I do get influences from a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. So, um the Witcher also kind of has a, has a similar theme where mages are closely connected to being too powerful and needing to be controlled by some force, but in The Witcher, the mages are controlling themselves. And mm. yeah, in Dragon Age, they're controlled by the church. Yes. Okay, so a little, little bit of influence there, but yeah, <laughs> I'd say it, yours is different enough that it's you're not just copying. No, that's... I, I try to get my own uh, flavors in. Yeah. Um, now, one of the notes I put down was that uh, this seemed kind of like uh, where everything is water, like the Thales philosopher, the Greek guy, who's like trying to say, oh, everything's made of water because you have an archipelago, you've got a wall, mm -hmm. wall of water. Um, I don't know. I don't suppose there's much else besides that. <laughs> Going off of that, like, what's the. Um, sort of source of magic in your game is it water like because it, it seems like that's a pretty pretty strong connection there so it isn't water so my players have not quite gotten here yet but they will soon enough okay um thousands of years ago uh the gods basically walked the uh the earth um mm -hmm. and a lot of their power was basically seeping out of them uh soaking into the world um the belief or the followers could actually see the gods in day-to-day -day life as more people started being around these gods though they started seeping up some of their power and being able to use magic without people that are technically following them but are still using their power, it's been draining the gods. Um, so they are still out in the world, but not much more magical than, you know, the standard, like, level one wizard. Um, oh, okay. Most of their magic has been seeped out into the earth, or into the world, uh, into creatures, into other people, and without followers, they have no real renewing of their power okay uh, so yeah they're basically stuck being immortal but powerless okay so do you feel like there's a plot there where the players try to restore the gods there will be some of that um the main plot of this next arc is going to be shutting down these void tears um one of the parties uh, has already seen the Demogorgon trying to break through, uh, but is currently unable to. 
but he is sending more and more powerful demons to basically break open larger tears. Okay, this is like the Demogorgon from D&D? Yes, from D&D. <laughs> okay. All right. there's, a, there's a lot of different Demogorgons. Yes, yeah, it should be fun. They've, uh, like I said, they've already had a face-to-face -face interaction and were rightfully terrified and, yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. escaped yeah. just in time. So what about, uh, so that's a little bit about the gods there and magic. Um, go on to a more step back from that, like, mystical stuff. What about, like, races and culture in your world? Like, with a lot of islands, I'm kind of assuming Indonesian vibe to it, but maybe that's not quite right. So I didn't want races to be the big dividing factor. I wanted it to be super elite upper class that live on the terrace versus the people on the land. Mm -hmm. People have been bonded together out of necessity, out of a need for safety. Uh, so there isn't really the racism you see in a lot of uh, campaigns. Okay. Like tieflings are super cool. And, you know, it's uh, the drow actually invite people into small sanctuaries. Um, and oh, that was actually okay. a large uh, mission that one of the campaign or one of the campaigns uh, went on. So, all right. So a lot more, a lot more unity. Yes. Uh, about the cultural influence, like for the, the different places. Um, I've taken more of the like standard fantasy, um, yeah, I haven't quasi gone, uh, quasi European. Yeah. In general. All right. That's yeah. No need to go further than that if you don't want to. Yeah, I just don't want to uh, misinterpret something, and then yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can definitely see that being an issue. <laughs> so I had a question about what it would have been like at the very start of the the wall of water going up for the the community that and. The, the communities that were living within the archipelago, or maybe was there even an island that got blasted up into the air by the wall of water? Yeah, so there there wasn't uh, one that was sort of in the way of this um, wall of water. Um, I was able to, using a ghost possession, was able to embed memories into one of uh, my players' uh, mind of when this actually <laughs> happened um your player so, not the character <laughs> no this was the player <laughs> yeah, yeah no i mean the, uh the character but yeah um so he was one of the uh researchers trying to figure out how to sustain this water wall that would keep the demons out uh, okay. um and you know they actually planned out how they were going to divide it up and um, you know, how the, they, they figured out what would be the best way to, um, you know, create this, uh, originally it was supposed to be, um, like death row prisoners, but they couldn't figure out a way to get enough, um, power from them oh, and like sacrifice the, the death row prisoners. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that would be their sentence. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, okay. If they're going to die anyways. Um, since there wasn't enough, uh, power being taken from just these few that were, you know, captured, um, the higher governments, you know, basically kicked him aside and figured out, oh, anyone with magic would be a good battery. And, you know, my, uh, the player's character was able to, watch how this sort of you know good plan fell apart and became this new um horrifying existence for um these people that were taken okay that's kind of cool all right so the reason they went for magical people is because they have more more battery. magical power yeah. basically right. yes and so it's not necessarily something that's connected to level where like a high level fighter could power no. the battery. Okay. Um, 
So with the the gods being reduced in power, do you have clerics in your game? Uh, I do not. Oh, all right. Yeah, so I actually have two parties that are part of the same campaign, okay. uh, which has been pretty fun. Um, we did have one session where I was able to get everyone together. Awesome. Um, yeah, the only problem came my wife is in both campaigns, so we had to get a, another <laughs> friend to play her second character. That's funny. But yeah. So no cleric. So what do they do for healing? Is it just like you have to have a druid. So we or... have uh, we have a druid in one party, and a paladin in the other. Yeah. So, but for the most part, they've uh, they've been able to find healing potions. They've been able to uh, cheese some stuff. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I, I think I'm a little bit uh, generous with uh, magic items. Okay. Yeah. Well, what type of magic items do you have? Um. So I mean, I have the you know standard like plus one, plus two weapons. Um. I've given out um. You know some, uh, custom, uh, weapons that you know fits individual players. Um. The uh. Longbow of Warning has been uh, a bit frustrating for me because I can't get surprises on one of the parties. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, different fun things that the players wanted for their characters. Um, okay. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's about having fun, and if this helps them, so be it. Gives me the challenge of trying to figure out a new... Uh, new fight that can get past it. Yeah, I was I was curious about whether the like shutting off the gods would also affect magic items. Uh it has not. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking like maybe if they're created by like divine magic, but if it doesn't need that connection anymore then, then yeah. Yeah, my head canon is that magic has suffused the world already. Um so the items are still there. It's just the gods aren't able to basically create new ones. Right. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about the world before we get into your campaign plot? So my uh, Tuesday night group, uh, they're just finishing a uh, small arc where they basically found an underground um, series of tunnels that led to a bunch of different areas. Uh, it was just fun being able to think of different, you know, cultures that would have lived shut off from the rest of the world, um, shut off from, you know, all this stuff that's going on with the, uh, the demon invasion, um, mm -hmm. with no clue about the, um, you know, what the terrorists had taken, uh, had done, um, and seeing how they would have interacted, you know, among themselves. Um, but yeah. Yeah, kind of like those Amazon tribes that are uncontacted. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, I think that's uh, the big things for the world. Okay. Um, I guess follow-up to that. What's the, the Underdark like for an archipelago campaign? Are they like tunnels between the islands, or are they mostly like disconnected? It's mostly disconnected. Um, the larger area that um, most of them came from is under the uh, giant continent. Um, and the ones that settled on the different islands um, originally came from this giant continent. Uh, okay. They just found cave systems that were suitable for themselves um, for different reasons on the smaller islands. Okay. Yeah, so your plot. Um, you mentioned the, the terrace and trying to stay mobile and um, ending the, the wall of water. How did that get... How did the players start? Where did they, where did they end up at the end? Yeah, so they actually started off um, enslaved by one of the um, nobles up on the terrace. Typical. So, 
they ran into each other during a uh, giant ball and a, a member of uh, Cloudfall, uh, the resistance organization, okay. um, basically said, hey, you look like you could uh, basically hold yourself up. Uh, follow me and we'll try to get you down to the surface. And so they made their way you know, through a uh, through the ball, through uh, some barracks, through some, uh, you know, a bit of. Uh, sneaking, a um, little bit of fighting, and we're able to uh, get away down to the surface, um, where then they were uh, picked up by uh, the ship that uh, Cloudfall was using, um, which was named the Horde. So it's a think almost like a, as far as uh, what it looks like. Um, a submarine, except it doesn't go underwater. Okay. So it looks very sleek, very rounded. Um, like it's closed on top? Yes. So it, it doesn't have sails then? It's just using like some magic yeah. power, I guess? Yes. Okay. Um, and the same magic power that you know, propels it uh, also has a slight cloaking field around it, so that way they don't have to worry about being spotted uh for having magic okay oh uh, that was another question i had does the the terrace is are they able to sense um magic items um they are to a certain extent um but enough of their soldiers have magic items to where they don't necessarily follow up on every single one they find okay I see. um and as I mentioned, they aren't really in one spot for long, uh, even when they're doing you know missions, helping out different towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pop in, help, then bounce. Gotcha. Okay, and you mentioned the rebel organization is called Cloudfall. I'm assuming that's a reference to trying to get the terrorists to fall down. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Uh, trying to bring the downfall of uh, the terrorists of clouds. Yes. Okay. And the not a submarine ship is called the horde. Yes. Like a, like a horde of people or like a horde of treasure? Like a horde of treasure. Okay. What's the, yeah. what's the reasoning for that name? That doesn't. So the, uh, the leader of uh cloudfall, um, Appears as a halfling female, very unassuming, um, but both both teams actually found out later in the campaign that she is a uh, silver dragon that has been trapped there um, that takes on the appearance of a halfling, okay. just to sort of hide who she really is. Um, she considers Cloudfall to be her treasure hoard you know that's she sees the people that want to throw in with her as you know what is most valuable to her i see okay that that name makes sense then though yeah at the time neither of the parties you know even really looked at it's like okay horde that's a weird name whatever (laughs) Uh, yeah chips have weird names all the time oh yeah I just feel like one that important in your campaign probably has a reason for the name. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so they got free from Cloudfall. They hook up with the Horde, and then they... Um, what's their... What was the plan for ending the domination of the Terrace? Ultimately, it was trying to get enough of a resistance to um, sneak in and take it down from the inside. Um, okay. But that was a very long game plan. Um, so early on it was, okay, we found this, uh, this town that was just attacked by uh, the terrorists. Go see what you can do about helping them. Maybe um, clear out some, uh, some farmland now that they don't have any uh, soldiers. Um, go, try to gather some resources so that way they can 
uh, eat for the next uh, couple months while they rebuild stuff. Um, so a lot of trying to improve the lives of the people around. Um, and there were a few occasions where, due to their actions, someone wanted to join. Um, for example, uh, there was a... One of the towns mentioned that their uh, a gnome sorceress had uh, been kidnapped by a bunch of kobolds. So mm-hmm. the party goes, uh, slaughters you know all the kobolds. They get to the sorceress only to realize, oh wait, she was enslaving them. Yeah, they find that she's set up like this giant, you know, throne area. She's was found a way to basically hide uh, her magic use. And uh, uh, okay. so end of the, you know, cave system, they realized that it was not safe to send her back and she attacked them. So they fought back on the way back to the town to explain what happened. Uh, they found a, another kobold that was on the way back with, um, you know, big pile of uh, gold for the sorceress. And upon hearing that, you know, he had no home now, now that he didn't have, um, he didn't have to serve this sorceress anymore. Um, he ended up joining up with Cloudfall. And uh, that is how uh, they met uh, Redpaw. Uh, basically, he turned into the gopher that would run around the ship and, yeah, send messages and mm-hmm. could get supplies quickly for them. Okay, so that was an important NPC for them. Yeah. Um, so the first, you know, good chunk of the campaign was trying to help towns uh, take out smaller parties of uh, Terran military and basically try to keep them from causing too much of an issue down on the surface. Eventually they found a group of um, elite uh, Terran soldiers um, that had. uh, Terran like earth uh, from the terrace. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. (laughs) Um. They found this elite group that was uh, trying to take over a um, an orphanage of kids that had magic parents. So they had a bit of magic in them, too, so might as well take them. Okay. Um, Can't the, argue with that. Yeah, the party found them and uh, was able to uh, defeat them, but found that... Uh, there was no airship, no way to get down to the surface. And, you know, upon searching their bodies, they found these small uh, ping pong ball sized orbs that look kind of like an oil slick. Um, okay. When squeezed, uh, it transported them to the void plane. Um, and uh, when squeezed again, uh, was able to transport them back to the orphanage. Doing a bit more testing, they found out these uh, void orbs, or as they would call them, squishies, um, <laughs> would let them teleport to a place that they were thinking of. Um, okay. And using that, this group was able to teleport back up to the terrace and do uh, undercover work, um, working for that uh, gnome that had saved them back at the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, They were able to take down some of the um, military officers. They were able to um, cause some chaos, find different uh, weak points, and eventually find a way to uh, get all of Cloudfall up into um, the terrace for the big mid-campaign uh, battle. Mid-campaign battle? Yes. That sounds like an end-campaign battle. What what meant that not being the end? 
Um, so this was uh, when they, you know, attacked the um, the terrace. They brought down the terrace, and the water walls came down, opening a whole new world and realizing what exactly these void um, these void tears were going to mean for the world. Oh, okay. So sort of figuring out, okay, this even though this was our plan for the whole time, there's a lot scarier now than just uh, watching the skies. Um, and you know, as I mentioned, this was what started uh, them looking into how to stop the demon invasion. Right. So they did that uh, session at level eight, I believe. Where are they at right now? Um, so they are just going to be up to 11, I believe. Okay. I I guess the reason I was saying that wasn't the end is it, it... If it feels like a big end, like, all right, here we go. We saved the day. Yeah, it feels um, like you're starting a new campaign with the same characters almost with the, the new stuff. Right, right. Um, so my Tuesday campaign is actually um, a church group. So wanting to continue okay. the church group, it was, okay, here's an easy way to keep it going. Um, they had already invested in their characters. They had already invested in the world. Um, so no point in uh, reinventing uh, the wheel. Um, is this a youth group or adults? Uh, adults. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I remember doing it as a youth group um, when I was a kid. But... Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done with any of the kids yet, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, the you said you had two. Are they two groups of players in the same campaign? Yes. Are they both working for Cloudfall, or were both working for Cloudfall? I guess. Yes, they um they're both different um away units for Cloudfall. Um okay. and yeah, they ran into each other on occasion. Um you know, there are a few times where one of the players would play in the other campaign, uh just bring their character along. Um but for the most part, you know, they're their own units stayed together um doing things to further uh Cloudfall. Did you have any issues like trying to get time lined up for the the different parties? Yes. Um, so the Tuesday night group is easy because this is considered a church group. So it's like, okay, we have our, you know, we start off the session with a um, basically talking over the message. And then we go into the second part, which is uh, the actual D&T campaign. Uh, mm -hmm. Since we were able to schedule that out in advance, it was very easy to say, okay, you know, the D&D is every other week. Um, yeah, everyone was able to clear out their calendar for that. For the other group, it was sort of the, the original plan, so that way everyone would be able to make it, was uh, one Sunday a month. But trying to get... Uh, you have six people to all say one Sunday that works for all of them. Uh, got to be really difficult. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we don't have quite as many sessions with that group. Uh, when it came for the you know mid campaign battle, uh, I wanted everyone to be there in person. Um, so we planned it a couple months in advance. We're able to find a Saturday that works for everyone. Um. And, you know, again, that took a, a bit of work, a bit of finessing to make sure that uh, everyone would be able to get, you know, okay, we can't start later than this. We can't start earlier than this. Uh, this is our cutoff time here. And <laughs> yeah, it was. But uh, it, that wasn't it was actually fun. quite what I meant, though. Um, what I meant was the, the timing for the different uh, characters. Oh, so if you have... okay one party that goes off and does something for, I don't know, five days, another party that goes and does something for 10 days. Do you actually try to keep those timelines like I'm, making I'm sense within a, the campaign I'm world or just wave. speed of plot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, there's, they were able to, and most of the missions are self-contained where it isn't like a, okay, this is going to take, uh, seven sessions to get through this mission. Um, mm -hmm. I tried to make it so they go out. It was maybe two sessions. Um, you know, the Tuesday group was a little easier to spread out if needed, but, um, at the end of the day, they were going back to uh, the horde. Okay. Um, yeah, that does so make it easier. So they'd run into each other there. They'd, you know, they'd be meeting up in the mess hall. Um, and they were seeing, you know, other uh, members of uh, Cloudfall while they were there, too. Okay, so that means you must have not been doing, like, any long dungeons for your your adventures. I did once, and yeah, it was not uh, it was not fun on my end. It was the only uh, official Wizards module I ran, oh, okay. and it was a pain in the butt trying to get to work and keep people interested. And I was like, okay, well, I think I'm uh, I'm done with that. I'm <laughs> I'll go back to yeah. My if own it's not that. fun, yeah, yeah. What um. What module was that? I'm just curious. It was... What was it called? It was one of their uh, their charity ones. Um, I can't even think of what it's called now. Uh, Infernal Machine Rebuild. Infernal uh, they did, Machine Rebuild? Yeah, they did it for uh, Extra Life. Oh, Okay. This is a official adventure? Uh, I believe so. And I got it from the uh, Wizards website. Um... Okay. Yeah, I, I guess it is. It's got the official branding stuff on it. Yeah. So we got through uh, chapter three. And I was like, yeah, they are not feeling this and <laughs> um, ended up uh, stopping. It has, it has chapters? Yeah. That's a lot. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. I, I personally don't like modules either. I feel like it's actually, I feel like I'm trapped by them and I don't have the freedom to make up my own. Mm -hmm. answers to questions i have to like dig through the book to find the answer because if i come up with my own answer and it contradicts something else then i'm I have to keep improving until i might as well not be using the module yeah i think the only good thing for modules is it has names there for you for the characters yeah. um oh and the maps are good too yeah i mean i've been on uh reddit enough to where i have a nice selection of maps Yes, there are a lot of good maps on Reddit. Um, and I did pick up uh, Wonder Draft. Um, so I've made, you know, quite a few maps of my own that can fit what I have in mind for specific, uh, you know, missions. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm feeling like we've touched on everything. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, For the most part, that's, you know, the campaign as a whole um you know it was a lot of fun developing one city that they would be able to sort of live in uh so that was the terrace while they were you know under, oh, for like the first part uh when they were no for the um for when they were undercover up there um, oh okay so finding ways to keep travel around the city um hidden trying to keep their identity um from being revealed um developing the different districts was a lot of fun the different shops the um because that was something that when they were just going in places for one at a time it was like okay he here's the uh the tavern and here's a few people but they aren't really going to be wandering around the town a whole lot uh so having you know, places they would keep going back to, um, trying to come up with, 
unique voices for you know shopkeepers and stuff was oh yeah uh, fun um trying to come up with names like i mentioned wasn't always fun uh <laughs> there i definitely have a uh female elf named felf and they found a friendly mimic at one point that oh we uh what's his name uh uh a uh, chesty which broke the the session for i don't know a good few minutes yep <laughs> um yeah i've learned uh definitely keep some names handy yeah i i feel like i'm pretty good at coming up with names but my players have made fun of me for doing it because i always come up with two syllable names <laughs> nice so, uh, if it works it works yeah i noticed myself doing it and i'm just like yeah well like it, that's that's what i want the name to be so it's gonna be that <laughs> yeah it's been uh it's been fun learning about the world as much as uh creating um because i've had them ask plenty of questions about how things work and you know okay now i have to figure out how this actually works instead um right and definitely has given me ideas for the future of how i'm going to be working on campaigns yeah do you have any advice you want to give people about about that learning process um get inspiration from wherever you can um yeah as long as you twist it to your own um most people will never realize um yeah and make sure you're having fun uh because yeah as a dm you know you, you often think of yourself as oh i have to create the world so that way all my players have fun but at the end of the day if you aren't having fun what's the point <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else, then um, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. It was good having you. Yeah, thank you.